Summer is just about here, which means it's time to start barbecuing again. Whether you're going to the beach or having a small cookout in your yard, Charbroil has a grill to fit your needs. If you use our link, you can get a Charbroil one-burner portable grill for just over $100, and it's perfect for wherever you need to cook. It's convenient and portable, and works just as well in the backyard as it does on the go. Just go to multipleworldproductions.com sponsors, and use our link to shop all the great products Charbroil has to offer. Good evening, and welcome to Beware of uh, 30-Minute Reviews. I am Adam. I'm tired. It's been a long day. Um, we have a news episode today. We've had, we have some news to talk about, and we'll do but we'll be later in the week. We have a fuck ton of stuff to do for this show or next week or so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so let's start out with um, the first big story. The review embargo has officially lifted on The Flash, and the movie is... At about a 70 on Rotten Tomatoes, depending on when you look, I've seen it as low as 64 at one point, I want to say, and I saw it up to 50, uh, 73. I think right now it's thinking of 72. Um, and now everything makes sense. And I think this is kind of the problem we were in, where looking at how they were promoting The Flash, it's kind of a weird situation. Um, because number one, you can't have your lead actor... Um, on the press tour, Ezra Miller can't be put out in front of people to be expected to answer questions because you know it's going to come around to their behavior off screen and everything that went along with it. And you have to avoid having that as a, a talking point of the situation. The The issue becomes, how do you promote the film then? And then on top of that, now that we know what the critic response is, how do you circumvent what will probably be a not great press cycle regarding the critic response to the movie? And the answer is, do what they did for um, Batman. Learn the lessons from Batman v Superman and Justice League and apply them here. It's not dissimilar from what happened with Sony back with Annie and, and Ghostbusters 2016. What I mean by that is Annie... I never saw Annie um, when it came out, the the remake with Jamie Foxx um, that they did. It was an all-black remake of Annie. Um, but I heard nothing but positive things. Um, but it was not well-received by not audiences, um, people on the internet, and they quickly cried racism, which was an accurate portrayal of what happened there. Then they saw how that worked, and then I think it was the following year or two years later, Annie comes out, or not Annie, Ghostbusters comes out. And Ghostbusters is not well-received at all. It's not a great movie. Um, but they try to hide behind the issue, like, saying, oh, you're only saying that because it's all women. And it's like, well, the issues with the movie go deeper. And I think we've, we've been on the record about this going back as far as this movie coming out back in 2016, where it's like, the cast isn't 100% great. They don't really do well, and I think the issue is bigger, is the script, by Paul, Paul Feig's script is the bigger issue, um, if we're going to blame anyone for that, but they decided to blame it all on, you know, sexist trolls on the internet, and 
what I mean by that is how this is similar has nothing to do with racism or sexism. It is entirely coming down to they saw something happen once and it worked then. So we're going to try it here. Um, and what I mean by that is when Batman v Superman came out and through this day and when Justice League came out until it came out, you know, what did Joss Whedon have his hands on and how did that affect the final cut of the movie? They now they, they saw that there is a, a pattern that will work for this, where if the movie comes out and the critics are not kind to it, but there's enough in there to get a fan base active and loud, they can use that fan base to generate positive word of mouth and have that be the thing. Where it's like, Batman v Superman has a ton of problems, but there's a small and vocal fan base that is crowing about it being the greatest thing of all time. So what they did was they did they had a bunch of screenings for fans. Inherently, a advanced fan screening is designed to attract people who have a a strong affinity for the movie in general going into it. It is it is designed to get people who have a a like a, a rooting interest to go and see it and then be like oh, shit, look at how great this is. And this is the greatest movie ever. And the the one problem that comes in when you start selling a movie as this is the greatest movie ever, this is the best superhero movie ever made, is that once people start to see it, the hyperbole suddenly becomes painfully obvious. And then what people were excited about also becomes painfully obvious. Without getting into spoilers about what's in the movie, allegedly, and what isn't in the movie... It seems that they bank a lot on, you know, what's it called? From, from what I've read in reviews, and, and I haven't seen the movie yet, from what I've seen in reviews, it is a lot of, okay, so the, the movie starts out strong with a strong emotional core, and then you get into this part where it's all nostalgia baiting. And if the nostalgia baiting works for you, then the movie will work for you. But it's designed to cover up a lackluster set of, like, second half of the movie, a late second act, early, and entire third act. And therein lies the problem with this movie, in that, if that is accurate. I mean, I'm seeing it in enough reviews where I'm like, okay, it's probably accurate, but if you, if that's the case, then people are going to be like, oh, okay, and, and what about younger audiences? You know, the target audience for, for, for the people that Ezra Miller will be interested in. Like, that target audience is not going to have the same feeling toward Michael Keaton coming back. Younger audiences, like younger than me, like I'm, I'm 29. So I would say people who are like my sister's age and younger aren't going to have the same affinity towards Michael Keaton. People who are my age and younger who have kids, who will be bringing kids to see this movie, won't have that same love of these, you know, of these iterations of the characters to bring them in. This is a movie you bring in bail for. Like, that would have been the smart move. And and to an extent, it's like, you gotta look at, like, why was that not the case? Why was, you know, Clooney not the case? Why was, I mean, Val Kilmer can't be the case, because Val Kilmer is, uh, you know, he's got his his physical ailments, and he can't be brought in to, to act in this movie. But... Why was Clooney, I mean, did they offer it to Clooney first and then go, oh, no, we'll do Keaton and hope that we can get, you know, people of a certain age out and like, oh, my God, this is my Batman and, and hope for the best. I mean, that that's probably what it was. 
And I think a lot of it comes down to, I think Warner Brothers doesn't have faith that a Flash movie can carry itself on its own two feet. There was a meme that went around back when BVS came out, and it was like, oh, now that this movie made all this money, and it made more than, um, what was it? It made more than uh, Man of Steel. They're going to start putting Batman into all the movies and to have, you know, and do it that way. And it's like, and then sure enough, that's exactly what they did was they threw Batman in. And it's like, we have not one, but two Batman in this movie in the marketing materials. And it's, I shouldn't need that for a standalone Flash movie. And I think to an extent, too, if we look at like, if what we're hearing is allegedly true regarding, you know, cameos from across the DC universe, and I'm not going to get into them because I know people don't want to be spoiled, but. I mean, the only spoiler is, allegedly, there is little to no representation of the television side of things. And number one, it's a little messed up that the TV aspects are, you know, that, that Crisis did a better job of honoring all of DC history than this movie allegedly does. This movie seems to be more indicative of trying to honor just the movies. But at the same time, I mean, Stephen Amell said it today, or at some point in the recent, I saw the article today, where he's like, look, it would benefit the movies to get credibility from the TV shows more than it would benefit the TV shows to get credibility from the movies as evidenced by, you know, Ezra Miller showing up on crisis and it not having a substantial impact on the TV side, but the TV side, you can guarantee if Grant showed up there, you'd have the TV side interested. If Melissa showed up there, you'd have the TV side interested. If, 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 if Stephen Amell showed up, you'd have the TV side interested. But the fact of the matter is, he's like none of these people are showing up in this movie. Otherwise, we would have heard something about it by now. And what we have heard is showing up from the TV side is a slap in the face to people who watch the TV shows because it shows that the movies don't do the basic amount of watching of the shows that they're that they're referencing. And it's just it's it's questionable at best. And looking at everything that kind of happened here, I, I'm 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 not surprised by any of it. And look, if you're going to sit here and try to nostalgia bait, that's fine. And, and, and look, Star Wars did it and it was successful. Uh, Spider-Man did it and it was successful. Um, and, and, and Warner Brothers is, is, is very committed to making this a business model. We can't get around that. That is very much what they're trying to do uh, fundamentally going forward. Their business model is designed to be, we are going to make you remember all the stuff you used to watch. There's a reason that Harry Potter is being rebooted. There's a reason that they're rebooting, um, what's it called? They're rebooting uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. And, and, and the reason for all of this is we want you to come back to relive your childhood. But the problem is no one is taking into consideration the fact that you need to, you know, build up goodwill before you get to that point. Like, you don't get to No Way Home without also having... Um, you know, Homecoming and uh, Far From Home to build up Tom Holland's character. Like, you can't do that without those steps in the way first. You can't do um, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and build up to that without first having the Hunger Games be an emo a, a cultural touchstone for people. And the cultural touchstones that they're pulling from are recent history. And I think when you look at Harry Potter, yeah, Harry Potter is a recent history cultural touchstone. The same for uh, Lord of the Rings. You can't just be like, okay, well, we're going to pull from the 1989 Batman, where if you were, you know, if you were born in 1989 and your parents brought you to see that movie, you would be in your mid-30s now. Like, 
So if you were old enough to be cognizant and have that movie be a part of your childhood, you know, you would be, I would say, like, let's say three, you might remember going to see that movie. Like, so you were born in, in you're, you're almost 40 at that point. And if you're someone who's bringing your kids and you're that age, number one, your kids are probably, you know, a little older at that point. But let's say you are someone who's bringing your kids. Kids don't have that cultural touchstone. Like, if you brought in Bale, you would have that. So I think that's the other thing that's going to hurt this movie is that you've picked a Batman that's going to get, you know, that is designed to get older audiences excited, but not designed to have legs in a way that these other movies will have. Uh, and ended up having. Because, like, you know, Spider-Man made over a billion. I, if this movie opens to 70 million, I don't think, especially with the early critic response, I don't think this movie hits a billion. Because I don't think this movie has, like, the anomaly of Star Wars, The Force Awakens, where its second week is stronger than the first. I don't think that happens. And you see a lot of people like, well, it's better than recent DC movies. It's like, all right, so it's better than Shazam, and it's better than than Black Adam. But, like, is it better than The Batman? Is it better than Suicide Squad? Is it better than Peacemaker? Is it, Or is it on par with these, even? I don't think so. Like, I, I, I don't think we even hit that bar. I would say there's a chance this movie doesn't even hit the bar of Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I know some people really liked it, but I didn't particularly care for it. Like, I would be interested to see if this movie can hit that line, and I, I don't think there's anything about it that necessarily does. Um, but we'll see, and we will see if this movie can do that. The other big story um, is not movie-related, but it's more video game-related, um, and even that, I would say it's more technology-related. Um Yesterday, Apple put out their first thing for uh, for their VR headset, and I'm mixed on this. I'm not super gung-ho about the, the headset or what the headset looks like or what the headset could do or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm interested. Um, I'm not interested enough to spend $3,500 on it, but it, it could have the potential to reshape how we compute and it's like, look, I, I, I get that this is going to be, like, the beginning of something, and, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, this could be back when Apple announced the iPhone, and people dismissed that, and Apple announced the, the Apple Watch, and people dismissed that, and, you know, it's too expensive, it's too silly, but as we iterate on it, and then as we get new versions of it, it will eventually get better, smaller, and, and cheaper, and, and that's fine, but for right now, it's too expensive, and, and all that, but looking at it, it's like, it's a cool idea, like turning your your entire vision into into a head up display. It's just the glasses are ridiculous. Like the 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 way it looks is ridiculous, and it's not the kind of thing that I would wear out in public. But I listened to a podcast where they were talking about the metaverse and and what you could do with the metaverse. Because I'm gonna be honest, I don't understand it. I'm I'm like I look at this and I'm like I I don't get what the use case is. I don't get why this would be cool. I mean, like I've I've seen Ready Player One, but like at the same time, I can't look at this and be like. This is something that I would use on a daily basis. The same goes for cryptocurrency and um, and like Web3 and, and, and NFTs. Um, even though I own a few NFTs because AMC tends to give them out a few times a year. Um, but looking at what we have with, with this, it's the metaverse. When I heard someone explain it, it's like the metaverse is not just, you know, buying digital land um, in, in this space where it's like, you know, buying land on the moon. It's It's more like... You know, you can use the metaverse can be a layer on reality and in, in, in augmented reality. And if they can get these glasses to work with this thing, 
you know, looking more like actual glasses and not a scuba mask um, that has a digital imprint of your eyes on it. Like, if they can get that to work and they can get that to a more realistic place, um, the use case can go up dramatically because, like, you can go out shopping and if it's augmented reality, it can bring up information about the products in front of you without you having to Google it or scan a QR code like when you go to Best Buy. Um, you can just bring it up to full screen and be like, oh, shit, this is what this is, and here's videos about it, here's this, here's this. And I think that that's an interesting kind of approach for what this could be. As of right now, I don't think this is quite that, nor do I think that this thing's going to have the processing power to be able to to run things properly. But if this thing gets to the point where it is you know, wearable technology that is that strong, I, I, could, I could absolutely see a place for it. And I think the other question is, using this in a real-life setting, what will be the long-term implications on your vision? Um, because, like, I, 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 and, and this isn't me being a pain in the ass. I'm not an optometrist. I'm not anything like that. But having a screen that close to your face for that long, um, and, and it is, it's going to be messing with your vision. It's going to be messing with your, your point of focus because you're going to be looking at something that's not real, that is, on, that is you know, different from all that. How will your vision be affected by this, if it is at all? And I, I think that that is a, a, a profound question that we don't know the answer to. And I think that, that is the kind of thing where it's like, will this cause headaches? Because, like, I don't know about anyone else, but I go to 3D movies every once in a while. Like, when I, every once in a while when I do 30-minute, uh, beware of spoilers, I will see a movie in 3D. It's not every time, but it is like, if, I, if something is going to be a visual spectacle and I have the option to see it in 3D... I will aim to see it in 3D. Like Avatar, I saw in 3D. I saw um, Multiverse of Madness in 3D. Um, no Way Home, I saw in 3D. Um, I don't think they're offering Spider-Verse in 3D. Otherwise, I would have seen that in 3D. Um, but either way, it's like if I can see a movie in 3D and there's open screenings, I will make an attempt to see that movie in 3D because it's not, not something I can do in my house. And the issue with this, yeah, Transformers is not 3D. But I don't think it is being offered in 3D on, on the advanced screening night. Um, let, let's see for Thursday. But either way, while, while that loads, it's like um, Dolby Cinema. Yeah, they, they are offering it in 3D, but, you know, not, not the night in question. And The Flash, I think they're probably also offering in 3D. Uh, no, they're not. They're offering Elemental in 3D, but the version of Elemental I'm seeing is not in 3D. Um, but either way, the point stands... Um, if you look at um, what's it called, if you look at the the entirety of oh, and now now the Friday screenings are up. Okay, so I can uh, I don't want to see mending the line, even though it's probably not seeing. Either way, uh, the issue becomes um, how do we look at you know when I see a three D movie, I end up leaving with a headache almost every time. And if that's the case, and I leave this movie with a headache every time. How will having a computer screen attached to my face do that as well? Because it's the same kind of thing where it's, it's messing with your point of focus. And if you lived your life, you know, if you had, if, if 3D TVs had caught on the way people thought they were back in 2009 when Avatar came out, like, how would that have messed with our vision if everyone was wearing these 3D glasses all the time? Um, and the thing is, too, I remember on my 3DS, I used to have issues with the 3D. Whereas, like, I would, I, I ended up not playing with the 3D, if possible, um, because it would just give me a headache if I was playing it too long. And it's that kind of same issue here. How does that land in this kind of weird place? And I'm not entirely sure how that, how that ends up. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, if this comes out, 
and it comes down to a manageable price point because $3,500 is just way too much money. But if the price comes down, I'll give it a shot. I'm not against trying it. And I think Josie and I both said it the other day on, um, what's it called? Um, like, not the other day. We did it a few months ago when we were when we were talking about um, VR and why we haven't done it. It's the one thing that is keeping us from trying VR is not the it's not virtual reality, you know, itself or not the lack of games. It is, it is too expensive for it to not have the, the amount of what's it called, you know, for it to not have the amount of content that it is charging for. But look, look, eventually we're going to get these in the in a place where they're cheaper and eventually I'll try it. But for right now, especially at $3,500, it's not worth the money to give it a shot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that is good a place that I need to wrap up for today. Oh, wait, let's quickly touch on, because I have a heart out in about 10 minutes, um, let's quickly touch on the Rebel Moon first pictures, um, and news about Rebel Moon. Rebel Moon is going to be a two-part movie directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, part one comes out in December, part two comes out TBD, and, um, it is going to be a science fiction epic. This is the movie that allegedly Zack Snyder... Uh, was going to make it a Star Wars movie, but Lucasfilm said no. Um, and look, to his credit, I said it at the time with, when he was bitching about Lucasfilm saying no. I said, look, take it to another studio. If the movie's good, let it go out on its own merits. Just take out all the Star Wars crap and make it into uh, an original concept. And it appears he did that. And, and kudos to him for doing that. Um, that said, they're also offering up two versions of each movie. Um, one version is a, um, like, uh, uh, a family-safe version one version is the originally intended, um, and you know, cool. I mean, I'm I'm, all, I'm not against that. Uh, it's not the biggest deal on the planet that are doing it, but you know, it's it's you know, you get the version you watch on an airplane, and you get the version that you uh, you can show at home. Um, cool, all for that. Uh, a lot of the imagery, I'm not super like excited about based on these early images. Um, it just kind of looks like. He saw Star Wars, and he saw Dune, and was like, let's mash these two things together. And really, it's more like Dune, like, it's a mixture of, like, 84 Dune and modern Dune, and he also read Dune the book and kind of came up with a uh, a composite of all three. And, and it's like, look, do what you're going to do. Hopefully the movie's good. We know, I don't think we know anything about the plot, or at least I know nothing about the plot, besides the fact that he cast Charlie Hunnam to play someone who has a bow and arrow and wear a green costume. Like, I know exactly what you're doing here. So it tells me everything I need to know about the movie, um, where it's like, you, you are making a movie to appeal to your fans, which, good for you. As someone who really enjoyed Clerks 3, I, I, I totally get that. But um, at the same time, don't act like this is the second coming of cinema or like a, a, re a revitalization of cinema when it's like, look, you are making... A movie that is it is derivative at best but yeah we'll wrap up there for today um and we will see i think we're getting a trailer next week during tadum whatever it's called and we will see how that you know works out there um but we'll wrap up there for today uh tomorrow we'll be seeing um uh transformers rise of the beasts a little early at a fan screening uh we're seeing it in imax we'll be talking about that over on beware of spoilers we will also be talking about, um, uh, probably on Friday, we might be seeing Mending the Line um, or Flaming Hot, depending on how I feel 
Um, either way, we'll have episodes up. Maybe Thursday we'll do Flaming Hunt, and then Friday we'll do Mending the Lines. We can get some more content up. We do have over on Doris Spoilers, of course. Uh, for 30-minute reviews, we will have up a episode about um, uh, Bumblebee later this week. We will also be doing a video game. I don't remember which one I said I was going to do, but we'll do that at some point in the near future. Um, I think it's a licensed game, though. I think it's another GameCube game, but we'll talk about that at another point in time. Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh! with Falsebound Kingdom, I think, is the game we're going to do. Um, and then I feel like there was something else. Um, oh, uh, big news. We are going to be at Tribeca. Um, we're going to be doing, um, Elemental on, um, on Saturday. We'll have an element, an episode about Elemental up, uh, that I'll be recording, uh, after I see it at Tribeca. Um, and I feel like there was more to talk about. I don't recall what it is off the top of my head, but we will... See, oh, if you're, those of you looking for exploring hyperspace lanes, uh, as usually scheduled on Friday, uh, on Wednesday, that will be delayed till Sunday because I had the heart out today, so Josie couldn't make it to record in time. It's my fault, not hers. Um, she'll be recording that on Sunday, uh, and we'll be talking about uh, Attack of the Clones then. So, until our next episode, have a great rest of your week. If you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our other shows. We have Beware of Spoilers, where we talk about new release movies. We have 30-minute reviews, where we talk about older stuff and current events in the entertainment industry. And we have Exploring Hyperspace Lanes, where every week Josie and I get together to talk about random stuff in our lives. And also, we rank and review everything Star Wars. Old stuff, new stuff, all of it. And you can find all of these shows on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Or, to get it simply, just go to BewareOfSpoilers.com or exploringhyperspacelanes.com, or 30minutereviews.com, and it'll redirect you right to the Spotify page. Uh, Thank you, and uh, thank you for enjoying our content.